Hello, listeners of the Director's Club. This is Jim Laskowski. I realize it must be strange to hear a prelude to the podcast from myself, but I feel that this, since this is a very rare and special episode, it is warranted a bit for me to address some of the tension that unfolded during the um, conversation you're about to hear. I want to apologize for airing my insecurities and neuroses in a way that may be uh, uncomfortable to listen to. And uh, I know you might be thinking, how can a podcast about movies and directors become so personal? Well, my co-host Patrick and myself are very, very passionate about our beliefs and opinions. And as you well know, they don't always mesh. I try to have an open mind, but I am mostly to blame for being honest about how I felt. And this led to a lot of confrontation that I hope you'll go with rather than condemn or feel like turning off this episode. I I think it's vital that you sit through it. I just I want to say that I have nothing but respect for my co-host and to some extent the guest of this episode, but I also have a lot of contempt that conflicted with my respect, clearly. And although this may sound, you know, at, at moments that like this could be the end of an era, let's just hope that Patrick and I can rectify our friendship. Um, I wanted to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for listening and contributing and being so accepting of my personal issues. I can't help come, but come out from time to time, and especially right here right now. You know, when I was a boy, I had to come up with three words that derived from the first letter of my last name for my speech at kindergarten. And those three words were laughter, love, and light. And in case this is the last time you hear from me, in a podcast setting, that is, take those three words to heart and know that I had nothing but good intentions in hopes that you would laugh and share a love of movies and step into the light that we all have inside. And now, on with the show, and thanks again for putting up with this preamble to a very, very, very heavy episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Directors Club Podcast. I'm Patrick Rapol. And I am Jim Laskowski. And today is such a special episode. I've been very excited about this. Me too. Um, we're currently in the office of one... Uh, now, we just call you Manx? It's just Manx. Just is, that's, uh, it's just the fir- first and last Manx? Uh, Manx is first, first and last name. It's one name, so it's not first and last name, but it is my name. Okay. Oh. Is okay. So we're we're here with Manx, and uh, you know we, we we got in contact with Manx uh, through through a mutual friend, and um, Manx has very interesting things to say about uh, a director that I think is very underrated and and underappreciated in our times. Um, Coleman hmm. Francis. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar with his work at all. <sighs> no, sorry. Just hearing someone say that they weren't familiar with the work of Coleman Francis, it's like. Uh, it's like a racial slur to me. I understand, uh, and and because it, it is, it, it was a thing. I, I I saw the list of his films, and I've, I've never heard any of these. Um, but uh, it is kind of shocking how how different and and how groundbreaking his, his work was. It is shocking. The work was shocking. It shocked a lot of people at the time. Uh, I think well over two hundred people saw these films uh, within the fairly limited theatrical releases that they were all they were all given but hmm. 
uh, all of those people walked away changed, uh, including my father, uh, who then uh, passed them on to me uh, in the form of uh, eight millimeter prints that we had converted to VHS and later laser disc. Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. So that's a so you have a rich history with Coleman Francis. I feel that I have a spiritual connection. He's sort of a godfather presence in our home. That's and that's hmm. very interesting. Now, t- tell us a little bit about your uh, yourself, um, Manx. Um, now, I understand you're a film uh, professor. I am a professor of film theory and film history. Uh, I teach oh. a number of uh, online courses, a lot of one-on-one tutoring via Skype. I am not currently huh. affiliated with any academic institution. Uh, I, I do hope to change that in the future. I've been pretty vigilant on Craigslist, searching for professor uh, or just PROF period. Uh, jobs, jobs in that vein. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and I've I've been on Craigslist recently looking just for like you know warehouse jobs. I know I'm I'm right there. Um, so uh, when was it that you first turned your sort of you know uh, love of Coleman Francis into uh, I guess an academic kind of pursuit? I think that uh, I was proselytizing as early as on the playground. They say that children <laughs> don't learn to see in color until they're five to seven years old. And oh, wow. for exactly, and for me, I feel that I willfully prolonged that period because of the rich black and white world that I was so absorbed into. My earliest memories, uh, I mean, the pre-credit sequence of Beast of Yucca Flats, which I imagine we'll get to the absolutely mm-hmm. the silent closing credit sequence of Skydivers uh, with those individual close-ups of the severed heads. I guess you can say that I've always been an apostle of the Franciscan. Is that a good segue into oh. my other project? Oh, that is correct. You are mm-hmm. currently working on a book. Let me see. The title is The Franciscan, The Beast, Beast of, of the, the Hollywood, Hollywood System. That's right. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's That's... all about how Coleman Francis took on Hollywood by making films that refused to conform to any definition of film. He refused to... He, he was such a radical filmmaker that when you watch his movies today, you're not entirely sure whether it's the beginning, middle, or end of the film and who you should be rooting for and why. It's, it's, a, it's a dreamscape, but you're getting it on the biological level. It's all animal instinct. Absolutely. It, you digest it. You feel it right in your intestines. Exactly, exactly. Right They're in very head. intestinal films. Really? Oh yeah, I, I, you watched these? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, we but we uh, t- yeah uh, should let the listeners know we are going to be talking about uh, focusing on the Beast of Yucca Flats. Unfortunately, uh, the other two films that he wrote and directed are uh, sort of unavailable. <sighs> in a no, sorry, uh, it's just. Well, I do have a friend who uh, has a strong uh, love for. Mystery Science Theater 3000, and he had every single episode on VHS tape oh, at one what was, point. What, and what's, he, what's Mystery he, Science Theater 3000? It's this incredible uh, TV show that uh, aired for a very long time in which they would make fun of um, bad movies. And, you know, they would... I'm sit- sorry? And Coleman Francis directed this show? He created this? Oh, no, 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 no. I forget I forget the, who the creator's name was, but I think his name was Joel. And then uh, obviously other people got involved. Um, but my friend, he he, he mentioned, oh wow, uh, Coleman, uh, Coleman Francis. Yeah, he he was a staple on, on that show. I mean, a lot of his movies. He was a frequent guest. Yes. Well, his movies were a part of that show. They would, <laughs> Sorry, they, I, they I would have make, to interject. They would very, make fun of it very very briefly. Yeah, you're saying that this is a show devoted to making fun of bad movies. Correct. And Coleman Francis was used as some kind of beacon to which they should describe. They were making fun of his films. Um, <laughs> That's not... What, I mean, would that happen? You know what? Let, let, we can maybe talk about that later. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't want yeah, to create tension. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. You know what? Let's talk about Coleman Francis... Let's talk about the Franciscan, the man. Please, please, yes. I would, that's... that's I need some history here, too. So, Coleman Francis, and there's much has been written, not nearly enough, but much. And a lot, unfortunately, of what is out there is at the whims of uh, 
people like the ones Jim are describing who have sort of misunderstood the oeuvre and misunderstood the intention. Uh, the Wikipedia entry, for instance, is almost entirely falsified. Really? Yeah, the Wikipedia entry is, is purely a work of vandalism. Um, no. No? In, Wikipedia in is pure fact at all times. And normally I would agree with you. They have but fact in this, checkers. In this rare instance, uh, hmm. it's, actually, it's actually far from the truth. Um, wow. Colin Francis's uh, early life, uh, well, it began in it began in California, where so many of his films take place, and uh, he was a uh, bit player in a number of studio pieces before uh, realizing that uh, there was no place for him there; that he had to strike out on his own and create something truly in his own voice. Um, I do remember him from the immortal classic This Island Earth, which was, in fact, lampooned in the film Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. This, there was a movie. This whole show sound, it sounds like you're making up mysteries. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm afraid I have to agree. The television show that makes fun of movies that became a movie. I am looking at the Wikipedia page, and as we know, Wikipedia is always accurate. Well. Well, except in this case, apparently. Normally, I would agree with you. Okay, um, so after he realized that studio system was serving it, serving no one, and that he was wasting, you know, his his muse, his art, his passion. What was his next move? Well, he uh, entered what many filmmakers call the long dark, uh, long dark nights, the the screenwriting process where you go into yourself and sort of find your own voice. It's the hero's journey that allows you to craft other heroes' journeys. Oh, like the work of Joseph Campbell. I'm not familiar sort of. with Joseph Campbell, oh. but but Heroes Journeys, yes. <laughs> and uh, he found himself uh, briefly working in um, an unofficial military uh, context, a sort of uh, militia is an ugly word, but it went on to inform his uh, incredible verite approach uh, to military life in Red Zone Cuba. Uh, if you're not familiar... Uh, Red Zone Cuba, also known as Night Trained Mundo Fine, uh, as immortalized oh. in the theme song sung by John Carradine at the beginning. Mm. I, so, I so could do I, a little bit of it, of sure. it here if it's yeah, sort of... Yeah, I don't recall. Th- we'd be honored. <clears throat> Night Trained Mundo Fine. Hmm. That's as much as I can do without yeah, passing I, out. So, so he joined a, a militia, you say? He founded a militia, yes. And wow. the, what was the name of this militia? Uh, I believe he called it the American Ostracization Committee, uh, the AOK. That's right. That's right. I do. I do remember reading about the AOK. Right. Right. So the I don't, the, I don't at all. Actually, sorry, I'm just not well read. Is this your first history. day? Hmm? Is this your first no, day? He, no, he's he's been with me. You know what? He's not a. He's, he's not really big on history or, or No, books. I'm just too busy reading on psychology. Yeah, he's one of those. He's watching your mystery shows. Yeah. Yes. So if you watch Red Zone Cuba, you see the, the training montages. There's a lot of um, scaling roughly six-foot cliffs on ropes and then jumping off of them again and... Uh, running into the other militia members and sort of shoving them down. And this this all represented a military training regimen that, that he devised. It was supposed to be a unification of, of mind and body, which is a, a theme in, in all of his films and in I, his life. I was just about to say that makes perfect sense uh, as regards to Beastie Up of Flats. So he, he formed hmm. the... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Can, uh, he can. formed the AOK. Um, he entered this sort of long, dark night. I, I believe, you know, Vernon Isley uh, once sang a song about that. Um, that's correct. Uh, what then, uh, how did he transition into the medium of cinema? Well, once it became clear that, how do I put this politely? He was a very corpulent uh, man. He was of, he was of stock. And uh, husky, he was husky, and it it became clear to him just from a practical standpoint that the ideal profession for him would be one where he stood very still and shouted at people, and 
that brought him back to his his first love. Like I can use these skills to command a militia uh, that will overthrow Cuba, or I can go back to uh, Hollywood and attempt to document the human story of stocky men overthrowing Cuba. So he returns to Hollywood, <laughs> uh, performed a few more, you know, bit bit parts, and uh, tried to you know shop his scripts around. And then uh, a revelation. Uh, he realized that uh, you could just buy film, which is something that many people even today don't understand. You can go into a store and rent cameras and buy film and, oh, wow. and just make, make a film because you're supposed to, because there's some greater plan. And in the case of Coleman Francis, it, he was called upon. Yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah, and I mean that independent spirit is you know that the fingerprints of that independent spirit on every frame of his uh, film is huge doughy fingerprints. It's they're inescapable. Much like Tor Johnson's very doughy. Yes, yeah, presence, corpulent man, and that even you know that sort of further illuminates uh, the sort of role that Tor plays. Um, well, he was just big. I wouldn't you know read too much into it. No, I, I cannot disagree more with Jim. Hmm. Uh, as as usual, uh, I feel that uh, he saw in Tor Johnson a a kindred spirit. Uh, the own inhumanity that he saw when he looked in the mirror was magnified uh, by the the twisted visage of the great Swedish wrestler and later popular Halloween mask. Uh, I'm not seeing that exactly. Mm. No, I'm just seeing a very well, bad how, actor. How who I remember from Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, you know what? Okay, Jim, we've had we've we've actually I should I should tell you, Max, we've had this um, problem before. Sometimes Jim has a little trouble, you know, s- seeing past the surface uh, into the the art of film. He kind of likes. I have to be able to relate to the characters. Yeah, in every oh. instance. Uh, sorry, that's just how I approach I, film. No, I I feel the I same. I approach it like therapy. I and uh, you know I, I don't look for escapism. It has to be entirely a representation of where I am in, in life. I this is a problem we come up with often, Max. I feel maybe if we end up we just discuss Beast of Yucca Flats um, and s- sort of the the symbolism and the metaphor and the allegory and the idiom of Beast of Yucca Flats um, that may illuminate also for the Jim. ineptitude. Of the way it was put together. Now, I mean, it's th- this well, film is notorious. It's been on a lot of worse lists. I mean, you know what else was on a lot of the worst lists? Hmm. Sergeant Pepper. Oh, oh really? I, I wasn't aware of that. You mean oh, the you mean the movie it. with Steve Martin? And... No, the the album. Oh, the 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 the, the soundtrack for the film. Hmm. Okay. With Steve Martin. I I I I don't think the Beatles have ever made a worst list. If I may interject, I'm not familiar with the Beatles, but I will say that every film Coleman Francis has ever made, every single one of his three films has been completely misunderstood by critics, and I I feel that a conversation mm. of of Beast of Yucca Flats will illuminate why. Okay. Coming to this theater soon, The Beast of Yucca Flats. Filmed on the burning hot sands by Yucca Flats. See terror, panic, murder. See the Cardoza and Francis production of The Beast of Yucca Flats. See a man turn killer. See a woman ravaged. See one of the most exciting movies ever made. See the Beast of Yucca Flats. A killer on the loose. Death sweeps across the desert. Panic. A bloodthirsty killer stalks a moonlit desert. See the Beast of Yucca Flats. Absolutely. I'm open-minded enough to, you know, hear a different perspective, but... I, I mean, okay... The know. correct perspective, yes. Okay. Yes, okay, okay. You know, I, and I, you know, and I've, I've talked about this before on the show, I'm a firm believer that a film teaches you how to watch it. 
What is the first image of Beast of Yucca Flats? It's a naked woman. It is the or a woman wrapped woman. in a towel. Yeah, because clearly Coleman Francis wanted you know no, no, he no. loves nudity. Okay, well, what are you hearing? What am I hearing? When she's naked. All right, you know what? Real quick, I do want to set this up because again, like we said, Jim not not big on history. You have to understand the time period this was made. Mm-hmm. All right, the year before 1960, three major events happened. All right, on October 24th, a rocket exploded at the Cosmodome. And it killed 90 people of the space program. Oh. Okay. April 17th, Rustwood Park, the baseball stadium in Memphis, Tennessee, burns to the ground. Um, and May 9th, uh, the FDA approved the pill. So you understand these are wow. radical times. A baseball stadium burned to the ground. That's America's pastime. And it was America's ash time. So... Hmm. I'm only just now learning that the Cosmodome was not also a baseball stadium. Right. Exactly. Like, mm. These are all connected. Hmm. Um, okay. So a woman is nude while a clock is ticking. Yes. We're off to a while good start. While a clock... Right? Right, Manx? It's... We were it's, off to a good start with this movie, I will admit. It starts with what is literally the most compelling and most shocking image in all of cinema. Uh, which is the nude female form. Even more shocking than the shower scene in Psycho. Well, that is essentially the nude female form. If anything, it's lesser because you see less of her beautiful body. Yeah, there's no nipple in Psycho. Plus the overwhelming string soundtrack, it it tells the audience how to feel. There's no room for discovery. It's kind but of it, overbearing at times. It's it's extremely overbearing. It's Hitchcock overwrought. had that problem. It's It's over-directed. Yes. Uh, Coleman Francis just simply allows the camera to be. It's a voyeuristic presence. The ticking clock is a sound that everyone knows from birth because of the similarity to the human heartbeat. It's a human heartbeat and a woman's form. It's the beginning of all life, and it's the beginning of this film. And and spoiler alert, she gets strangled. And then she's strangled, yes. She's strangled and um, molested. It's oh, implied. I didn't get that. Yeah. I missed that entirely. Because I, that is, we, that's this, one place this where murder I... murder scene just happens, and then we, all, we never hear of it or see of it again. And I'm, I'm, I'm wary of speaking of this, because it's, a lot of it will be uh, addressed in my book. Patrick, would you mind? Oh, that's right. The, uh, the Franciscan, the beast of the Hollywood, the Hollywood system. system. That's right. So I'm, I'm wary of giving away too much, but it is strongly implied that the, the corpse is then... Uh, desecrated. I believe a second viewing will show that he is gingerly tucking her into bed uh, like a sweet angel being laid to rest by his Goodness. massive really? deformed hands. Yes. Huh. And again, and Andre Bazan talked about that. Andre Bazan, um, you know, talked about the, 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 the skepticism um, of the dynamo. And that's exactly what you have here. You have these two opposing forces, you have this terrible beast treating a naked, ticking woman like an angel. Like an angel. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it, it, it's shocking. Who's the beast, Patrick? Who is the beast? That is what I wanted to talk to you about. The title I think of the, the beast film. is Coleman Francis, to be honest. This is the first time that Jim and I will ever agree. Oh, good. I, I believe that Coleman Francis saw himself as an animal in the world of men. And I think that that's explicit in all of his films. Uh, There are no likable characters. He knows that that's not the reality that we all face. So he doesn't bother establishing characters who are relatable in any way or behaving like a normal human being would. They're all pure id. And, and, you know, on on that sort of idea of, of animals, there's a lot of animals in this that you wonder, <laughs> why are they in the film? Why, why do the kids see the coyotes and feed the pigs coke? By the way, yeah, I, I, Jim, I, I don't need to explain to you the symbolism of children feeding pigs Coca-Cola. Uh, 1961. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I, I got that. Yeah, I got so you. they're I got the you. pigs. They're the coyotes. They're, I, 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 we'll talk about the baby bunny later because I was literally oh. crying um, at that moment, I thought um, the bunny was cute, but I don't understand what it what what it meant. I mean, yeah, 
Oh, <sighs> the, sorry. The death but, of innocence is really cute, uh, Jim. Well, okay. Okay. I mean, I just want to say to the, to the listeners, though, I think, you know, since this movie is available on YouTube and it's only an hour long, that they should check it out. Economical. And see, okay. Economical, sure. But I think they should just check this out before listening to this episode because, you know, that way they can come in with their own perspective on this as well. I, I feel, you know, individual perspectives are often overrated. I mean, that's what that... We, that's kind of what we do in the show. Let, let's, we we let's, invite different perspectives. Let's move on amicably. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Tor Johnson, hmm. the scientist. What is the first image we see of Tor Johnson? He's struggling with a plane door. The right. door of the plane. He can't even get out. He's trapped. He's trapped. He's trapped. He's a defecting Soviet scientist. And this is the most, uh, use the word economical, this is the most economical way to visually demonstrate that there is no aspect of his life in which he is not completely trapped. He is a man mm. without escape. That's semiotics 101. Wow. Maybe R. Kelly got some inspiration, like trapped in the closet. And, you know, now, I mean, back then it was trapped in communism, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some correlation here, guys. I'm not familiar. I'm, is, he, is he also in the Beatles? Um, no, he was, uh, I believe, I believe he got kicked out of the Isley Brothers. Oh, uh, no, R. Kelly's a modern day R&B singer. Oh, Robert Kelly. Yeah, no, right. no, Robert Kelly's a modern day R&B singer. He's kind, I don't... Of, he's kind of famous for urinating. Um, we should move on, though. Okay. Instantly, the second he gets out of the plane, he is attacked. Mm-hmm. By who? How did they get there? How did they know he was there? Jim, um, I want to take you. I want to. I want to bring you to this conclusion. No, well, uh, it won't be rewarding unless you take those steps yourself. And then it will be extremely rewarding. Really? Oh yes. This this is starting to feel a little bit like a therapy session. Then in it's working. Oh, I'm doing it. I'm once again. I'm projecting, but I can't help it. I feel like I'm being attacked. Like a little bit here, just a little bit. You're not being attacked, Jim. I'm holding your hand and I'm leading you down the garden path. I'm not sure if I want to go through that door right now. I mean, I know you're trying to lead me to there the door. There might be tulips. But I'm, I don't know if okay, I Okay, Jim, let me, let me let just break it down. Please there's, do. There's no way they would know. There's no way they would know where he was. Mm-hmm. They came out of nowhere. There's nowhere they could hide behind. Jim, this is a dream. It's a dreamscape or a nightmare scape, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Why do you think... I'm not getting a David Lynch vibe from this movie at all. I don't know who that is, but I could not disagree more. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Well. Okay. Tell me a little bit, Max, about Coleman Francis's decision. I think this is sort of... Again, his keen aesthetic uh, style is, you know, contributes to this sort of dreamscape. Tell us a little bit about Coleman Francis's decision to uh, underlight every scene so you're not sure if it's day or night. That uncertainty is completely conscious. Uh, I feel that Coleman Francis wanted everyone to feel the earth shifting beneath their feet. And what better way to create that kind of uncertainty about the earth beneath you with a constant flickering of the sky above you? You can't can't change the color of the ground, uh, but... You can create the illusion that night and day are completely interchangeable. And in doing so, you put the characters in this uh, sort of, you were saying, nightmare scape, wherein, uh, you know, what's real, what's not real, do I have control over my own destiny, am I just an animal in the world of men, that sort of thing. Huh. Again, Andre Bazan, the actions of the dynamo, it's all about contrasting elements. Okay. Um, but what, what, was the, what, what was his intention of filming the movie without its sound and deciding to himself use this overdub narration? Oh, brilliant. I mean, brilliant. No, 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 I think it's, I think it's a little hackneyed. In my opinion, I mean, it seems very lazy. I actually have not... here. I have a list of some of the the poetry of Coleman Francis. Um, I I understand, Max. I do feel bad almost taking it out of the context of a film um, because these words will not ring without coming out of um, Coleman Francis's very large lips, and they won't ring without 
um, not being sure uh, what you're looking at or which character is which. But things like flag on the moon, how did it get there? He's challenging you. How did the flag get on the moon, Jim? But that doesn't have anything to do with the plot or what's going on at that moment in the movie. I mean, is he just reaching? Plot? He's, you know, he's... Is he reaching there at that point in time, trying to like say how how did this happen and you know how did the flag get on the moon? I don't know. It just it just seemed kind of ridiculous. I have to admit, I started laughing a bit. Uh, Patrick, if I may, yes. The economy of Coleman Francis's storytelling was not restricted to his use of budget or non-budget as the case may be it was also about efficiently conveying information i, thought, I found it to be nonsensical and irrelevant to what was Will taking you let place finish? Okay. or right. or was it boiled down to the bare minimum amount of information the audience needed for instance tor johnson is escaping through the desert with a suitcase The suitcase contains Soviet documents alluding to a potential secret moon landing by the Russians. Or Marcellus Wallace's soul. Don't joke, Jim. Again, I don't get that reference. We do do this on the show before, Patrick. But this is something that I'm really passionate about, and you're not going, you're not supporting Hmm. me. So what is... The truth is finally coming out. I'm glad that I could witness this, and I'm very proud to be part of your final episode. I, I don't think that's no Patrick. We'll we, see. Got, we got other, we got a whole schedule. I don't I don't want to start getting anxious mm, here. Come on, this isn't this isn't podcast discussion, Jim. Oh, okay. we'll talk about it later. Yeah. So Off air. a okay. lesser filmmaker might show Tor Johnson in the context of the Soviet Union that he's escaping. Maybe even an over the shoulder shot of photographs of a communist flag on the moon. And then him, you know, feverishly uh, getting into a plane and defecting to the United States. Why bother? Why not have a narrator just say he's escaping from Russia with documents alluding to a Soviet moon landing? What? That still takes so long. How about flag on the moon? How did it get there? Brilliant. Huh. It's all about being evocative. And this is something, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if you've read a lot of William James, but William James, um, he, he, he talks a lot about the philosophy of the evocation um, and the way that the, uh, the id, the, uh, the super id, and the minor ego sort of um, will work in... I think Freud came up with those. Right, was... no. William James piggybacked off of um, Freud one summer when they were at a, in, a, in a cottage in uh, Sweden. I know oh. it is the work of Bill James. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Bill, you know, talked about he talked about the super id. He talked about the minor ego, and he talked about the regular id, um, and how if you are given the extra large id and the super sized. Please, id. Jim. Okay. Please. Okay. All right. He... I'm trying. You are given a crumb. You know what the cookie is shaped like. I do. It's basic William James. It ties back perfectly into Coleman Francis. It's all about biological memory. Cookies. Oh, wow. Um, so, Tor Johnson, betrayed by his own god. What's his god? Science. So it's a science versus religion thing we're talking about here? There's no God. Oh. There's only the bomb. Exactly. 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 Oh, my God, Jim. Finally. Did you feel that? I did. Did you feel that, Manx? We're making progress. Or maybe it's the caffeine. I don't know. Oh, that was good. Bomb is God. He's betrayed by the God. And what is he left to do? Let me ask you this. What What did Prometheus have to do? Rise. No. 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 <laughs> if I, I was thinking of Prometheus rising. I'm sorry. If I recall my mythology, uh, Prometheus is the the uh, ancient Greek boy uh, who stood fire, stole fire from the gods, and uh, was punished by an eternity of having to eat his own head. Yes. Oh wow. Lips I wasn't first. aware of that at all. Lips first. Uh, which I believe is also where we get the image of the Ouroboros. Yeah. 
Exactly. The Ouroboros. The, uh, the worm eating another worm that's eating itself. It's joining in. That's right. What is some of the... What a, I, now, at this point... You're speechless, Patrick. I, no, I am, I am speechless. That's not uncommon. <laughs> at, at this point in, in the film, the, you know, the, the, the cruel game that Coleman Francis is playing on the audience as far as dangling the beginnings of a plot are completely dropped off. Um, and you reach what I think is really the, the meat of the film... Um, I think this might be a good time maybe to talk about uh, some of the themes that Coleman Francis always liked to explore in his kind of movies. Oh, absolutely. Uh, East of Yucca Flats is absolutely dripping with Coleman Francis leitmotif, just uh, things that he truly, his signatures, you could say. Um, For instance, uh, due to the unique and bold uh, soundtrack decision, uh, have we mentioned this yet? The score? Uh, beyond the score, The Beast of Yucca Flats was shot entirely without a soundtrack. So right. all on-camera dialogue is uh, either at a great distance uh, or uh, shots from behind the person who's talking. At no point do you actually see lips moving with dialogue. They did it all in post, right? All of the sound was completed in post-production, and wow. that has that has almost never been done before. Never. No, I believe even I believe even Pixar does a lot of it. Does a lot of it live. You could you could probably say that this was the point at which Coleman Francis deviated from the studio system radically. Radically beyond any beyond any point of return. Hmm. The sound effects are. Sp- Bars. It's the same kind of economical storytelling where it'll be completely silent for minutes at a time and then uh, no footsteps, no ambient noise, but then someone will punch someone and you'll, you'll hear a sound like a paper bag in a steak or a, sorry, a steak in a paper bag being <laughs> wow. slammed on the counter. And you'll realize, like, this is the only sound that he wanted us to hear because this is the only sound that we need to hear. He's withholding from us except for that crumb that lets you see the whole cookie. And that's the entire film, is that perpetual tension with the audience of, of just just having it just slightly out of reach. You can't The narrative of okay. the dynamo. Okay. Exactly, okay. exactly. I don't think this is a very tasty cookie, though, Patrick. i got to admit. Um, I don't think the themes he's tackling are very pleasant. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think hunger is a very, you know, particularly... A pleasant film to watch. There, you know, there are parts of Brave Little Toaster that tie my stomach in knots, but it's going those distances that allow filmmakers to tackle those higher truths. I'm not familiar with these, but I do agree with Patrick whenever he's talking. Yeah, you do, you are familiar with Hunger, though, correct? With Hunger? Yes. No. Oh, okay. What is what is Hunger? It's a very amazing film. I'm familiar by, with the concept directed by of Steve Hunger. McQueen. Um. The actor, Steve McQueen. No, it's oh. the director, Steve. Oh yeah, okay. you're getting. Sorry, a sorry, sorry. We sorry. don't have a. Little... I have, I have, I have a huge crush on Michael Fassbender, and every time I, I think of him in Hunger, I just, mm-hmm. I always wind up going well, into some kind of digression. Because I think one of the, the the key sort of proteges of Coleman Francis was Fassbender, but I I don't want to huh. get into any of that right now because we haven't even tackled the man yet. We we haven't even finished what's on our plate, and we're already looking at our next. I'm just meal. still taken aback here, though. I got to admit, I mean, th- there are choices in this film that just reek of horrible production values. That like he was drunk on like, set. Like, I, I mean, like, like he, he, we 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 see guns firing, but we don't actually see the. I mean, we. The guns are firing off camera, and we don't even see where the bullets hit half the time. You know, it's just like. You hear the sound effects of guns firing, but we don't even see who they're hitting or where they're going. It's when, just like uh, when it's do you get confusing. to the parts? When do you get to the part that's a criticism? I I, th- I maybe feel like, I feel like I'm being too challenged by this movie in some way or something because I'm used to. It's almost certainly the case. Well, I don't know if I like it. You, if I may, yes. The off-screen muzzles are. Not only a brilliant cost-saving measure uh, that allowed them to forgo the traditional special effects of synced sound and, uh, you know, squibs and flashes. Bullets. Uh, bullets. Bullets. All, all you need to convey a gunshot is the sound effect of a gunshot. Uh, if you've ever seen a play... 
Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps that's that's how they were able to accomplish that on stage. And you certainly weren't confused when you saw the gunshots in the play. So he's asking me to imagine the bullets. I think he's doing a great deal of the work for you by allowing there to be a gunshot so you as an audience member can say, like, oh, a gun was just fired. Okay. And then by immediately cutting, uh, often between night and day, to someone who is being shot at, you realize, oh, that's the target. And if he's running, then the bullets did not hit him. And if he's uh, clutching at his chest randomly and falling down in the dirt, then most likely he was struck. I think we should talk about the transformation after the bomb hits, because uh, I have to. I have to say that the the makeup job. It looks like somebody fucking smeared oatmeal on his face or something. It's it looks pretty horrible. Good. It's pretty good. It looks horrible. I agree. I did, He's uh, truly monstrous. Uh, no, horrible as in very bad. As someone who is kind of disgusted by oatmeal, yeah. To begin with, I do have to agree with Manx. Uh, it's not too bad if you add things to it. It's, you know. What do you add to oatmeal? You can add cinnamon and spice. No, it's... I mean, again, do you need to see the transformation? Do you need to show off, like, like, like lesser films like American Werewolf in London I was just going to say that. That's a great example. Of showing uh, off. Not showing of showboating. off. showboating. Putting the audience in that position of, like, oh, my God, this is really happening. It feels organic. It's like... Powerful to see that kind of transformation. Again, I a lot have of not work seen went into it, uh, but I do have a natural aversion to any movie, any monster movie. I don't know if your podcast audience can see my finger quotes, but any monster movie, they can probably hear them. Where the monster is so distant from man that we cannot relate to the idea that we are the monsters. Hmm. Every level of abstraction uh, of a, a Frankenstein or a Dracula takes us farther away from the fact that we ourselves are the monsters. And what Beast of Yucca Flats does so elegantly is it takes a man who is already ugly and then removes his jacket and then it, it is assumed that, that his inner beast is, is now unleashed. Wow. I didn't get that at all. That's the makeup effects maybe, are so maybe sparse. I'm in denial. Maybe I'm in denial here or something. Like, maybe I'm supposed to see this in the, in the movie, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to see, like, you know, that there is a beast within me, and therefore, you know, this this movie is speaking directly to me. But I'm I'm trying. You're rejecting it. I'm rejecting it. And so many people. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to bring this up with my therapist, I think. Please I'm going to force her to watch this movie. And so, how, I mean, if you, you can fit that in an hour session. I definitely. That's what's so great. I mean, if there's one thing I can say about this movie, I'm glad it's short. It's... Because it's, it's over. I am also quickly. glad it is not too long. It's, again, the economical storytelling. Today's films are so bloated with uh, twists and turns and immersive set pieces events exactly mm-hmm. this is this is just raw material it's a bullet that goes into your heart and exits through your brain i don't know i i think i still think he's you know he doesn't have the chops as a director i really don't let, i mean let, like look at the car chase scene for example it looks like the cars are going like 15 miles an hour or something you know it's did you, did you see the roads they're driving on though uh, yeah, I saw that. They're very rocky. Okay. You go too fast on those roads, you're going to spin out. That is, that's realism. That's immediacy. If I was in that car chase, I wouldn't go over 15. 20 tops. It's the verite of, of Coleman Francis. Right, exactly. It's, it's the verite. It's the immediate cinema. You are a fly on the wall, but there's no wall. Um, because of the vast desert expanses in which... The most of his films take place exactly. There, um, and let's let's talk a little bit about the women of the film. Oh. Obviously, the oh the beauties, the beauties of Coleman Francis. That's the next book if I have my way. Well, I mean, I was talking more just about the roles. Yeah, I was talking more about the roles women play in the film. Uh, I mean, 
They're kind of the underdeveloped. Beautiful, beautiful roles. They're very underdeveloped. I mean, oh no, they're quite developed. I, okay. Well, I mean, it is the you know sixties. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm saying like obviously first woman we see. Beautiful. Nate. That's what. A that's what I look clock. for. That's what I look for in the movie, though. You know, beautiful women. No. Okay. I'm. This is exactly the third time that Jim and I have agreed. Oh, good. I um. I was looking for at least three. She's killed. She's yes. unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. It's the role of the woman to wait. It's something that Coleman Francis, as a radical filmmaker, takes on uh, a great deal. There's the the wife in Beast of Yucca Flats who uh, is not the agent of her own destiny, is not allowed to go look for her children. There is the the betrayed wife in Skydivers uh, who is not allowed to have her own happiness. Uh, both husband and wife seek an affair in that movie. Hmm. And uh, the wife uh, ultimately is punished. Uh, in the end, she loses both men. And wow. uh, there is... Uh, in, it's all... That, that's implied, of course. Coleman Francis isn't going to spell that out. But yes. No, it, it is largely implied. Uh, with, with the exception of her husband uh, dying in a skydiving accident because a femme fatale puts acid in his parachute. But other than that, is it, it is Ooh. entirely implied. I agree with Patrick. Yeah. And then there is uh, the wife alluded to in Red Zone Cuba. Coleman Francis uh, plays uh, a character loosely based on himself. Uh, a a criminal wow. uh, who joins a militia to overthrow Cuba, uh, and his his criminal brethren alludes to seeing a picture of his wife in the newspaper, uh, and calls her beautiful, and sends mm-hmm. Coleman Francis his character and presumably the actor him actor and director himself into such a rage that he he strangles his bunkmates for a few seconds before releasing him and then returning to his own bed. There is a lot of strangling in the Beast. Strangling is another is another theme in all Coleman Francis films, uh, if I may, and, and from behind, no less. By all, by all means, Manx. Well, Coleman Francis, and we'll we'll get back to Beast of Yucca Flats, but Coleman Francis has a number of uh, consistent motifs. There's his his use of light and shadow. For instance, uh, he only uses light or only uses shadow. Clearly. There's no noirish interplay between light and dark. He's saying that we live in a black and white world, so all of his scenes are either blistering exterior mm-hmm. desert scapes or inside of uh, cabins, you know, windowless. Yeah. Which, again, it's the aesthetic of the dynamo, like Bazan talked about. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry, go on. Well, uh, there's also in all three films, uh, you'll notice instances of a man being shot at from an aircraft. Uh, in the Beast of Yucca Flats, uh, the innocent father, when looking for his lost children, is mistaken for the killer himself and then shot at from a, a light aircraft in uh, Skydivers. Uh, the murderers uh, at the end are shot at uh, from an aircraft. And then I believe Red Zone Cuba, uh, he makes a drastic departure and uh, the fleeing fugitive, played by Francis himself, is shot at uh, from a helicopter. Wow. Toying, oh. Talk about toying with audience expectation, a helicopter. Really, mm. really pulling the rug out from under us. Uh, and then, as Jim alluded to, uh, all films contain uh, numerous uh, acts of strangulation. Uh, in the case of Skydivers, uh, one act of romantic strangulation. Oh. It's burned into my mind. I expected more of a reaction, but that's fair. I, I, I think we're both familiar I, 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 with I don't romantic know. I, I, strangulation. I do. I, I'm very familiar with it. Um, I don't want to get into how deep and personal. Nor you should. No. This isn't that podcast. But um, do, you, do you feel these leitmotifs, uh, as someone who knows much more than, than I, or, or clear, especially, clear, especially clearly me. Jim. Certainly. Uh, I mean, about I, Frank, Frank, uh, Coleman's uh, life, or Coleman, I'm sorry, I apologize, Coleman Francis's life. Um, where do you think these light motifs come from? They certainly speak to the same ancestral memory that he's drawing from to create all his films. Uh, man as animal certainly uh, explains the strangulation. I think that his his life in the privatized military probably informed a lot of his decisions to shoot around a small aircraft. Uh, he 
certainly wants to escape. And the beauty of using small aircraft is that he's telegraphing to the audience that you can't. If he used some sort of jumbo commercial airliner, then there'd be this glamorous fantasy of going off to another land uh, to start a new life, uh, which is false. It's inherently false. Light aircraft can only go uh, a limited distance, Hmm. uh, lest they run out of fuel and crash into the side of a mountain. I've never been in a plane, so I wouldn't know. But having seen the films sure. of Coleman Francis, you now feel as though you've been in a plane. I mean, certainly... Now you a, never have to go in one. Right. I, I do look for claustropho- claustrophobic feelings in a movie, but I didn't feel it this time at all. There's nothing less claustrophobic than the air, Jim. No, it's true. Especially the extended I felt it more in Follow sequences. That Bird. I felt, it, I felt a lot more tension in Follow That Bird, to be honest. You, again, I, th- I feel like you're digressing. Like, you don't want to... Again, I feel like maybe you're avoiding the issue. And I feel like you had that breakthrough before. And I feel now you're sabotaging it because you're embarrassed about revealing so much of yourself. No, on no, broadcast no, 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 no. where literally hundreds of people will hear this about isn't, the This isn't you. WTF or anything. No, 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 no. no, it's no, not, no, we, don't no. To get, we don't have to go to there at that point. Jim, and we're, we're, I, I know we're talking you, about I know a you, film. I, Jim, I know you. All right? I know what you do. <laughs> What's that? I mean... We're just talking about movies. You hide. But it's okay. I seek. All right? Okay. Jim, I just want your honest opinion. Obviously, we can't discuss everything that happens in between Tor Johnson getting turned into a monster and Tor Johnson being killed because nothing, you know, Coleman Francis doesn't wish us to. There's nothing that happens. But... There's so much, there's so much nothing. It's astounding how much nothing he is able to cram An into. An embarrassment of nothing. A um, visceral feeling But there's of, nothing behind the nothing. Really, it is just nothing. No, I Jim, mean, here's what I want to ask you. What? The perhaps third or fourth time I did lose count that Tor Johnson seems to die. Um, uh, I'm sorry. A, a baby bunny. A, a little... I thought he was going to strangle the bunny, to be honest. An innocent baby bunny. You're talking about the indelible ending of Beasts of Yucca Flats, and I understand you getting choked up emotionally. I, and I'm, I'm I, as embarrassed as Jim is. I, I'm incredibly embarrassed. This is not the ending of Fearless, Patrick. No way. A, a, when the baby <laughs> bunny... Walks up to Tor Johnson's corpse. It's okay. And Tor Johnson comes to life one last time to, to sort of put his arm around it and nuzzling to nuzzle it. And I felt nothing. The, the baby bunny hops away, and that's it. That's the end of the film. It hops away. Okay. It's just a bunny. That's all. Well, I, I, I hate to, you know, I, I hate to pull rank on you, Mr. Psychology, but Freud, I remember Freud once said that a cigar is never just a cigar. Um, and in the same way, you can't say it's just a bunny. It isn't just a bunny. The last gasp of innocence of a man wow. betrayed by his God. Wow. None of that. Uh, you didn't get any of that? No. No, 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 no. Do you, like, I've been doing this podcast with you for over a year. And you just, it, it's sometimes the, 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 the depths of, of your ignorance just astounds me. Hmm. And sometimes it's hard to look at you. Uh, I'm sorry. This is one of those times. I was, I'm sorry, I, Max. This is this is personal. I, but no, I I, I understand. Uh, and seeing this seeing this brutal confrontation uh, is greatly appealing to me as a as a student of the work of Coleman Francis. Seeing this kind of raw humanity. This what's wrong with you? I don't know. I was. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. This was, isn't this isn't for broadcast. We have listeners. They want to hear about Coleman Francis. They want to hear about the film. They. 
they need more, to be, I, I, hear I just, about the. I, I don't. This I, is no. I, I felt we, we, nothing. We, we'll get into later. I felt nothing. I I know you believe me. I know you did. No, we'll I was more it. excited about watching out of control reruns on YouTube. You after you this keep, you keep changing the sub, Jim. We'll we'll talk about all that later. Uh, suffice to say, I'm converted. Um, <laughs> what? Now, as well, you should be, and not to correct you, but you're not so much converted as awakened. That's the great thing about the biological memory what? that he's tapping into is that we all carry it around with us all the time. It's just that we have to be told that it's okay to be who we are, which are godless, inexplicable animals hunting and eating each other in the desert. What are you talking about, Patrick? Your favorite movie of last year was Martha Marcy May Marlene. Absolutely. I'm sensing a cult-like transformation, and I'm worried for you I right just now. happen to think that Manx is correct and that he's never said I anything he's, incorrect. I think, he, I think he's John Hawks and I you're Elizabeth Olsen. I can't foresee a future in which he is incorrect, so I'm going to listen to whatever he says. That's all I'm saying. Again, know. I'm not familiar with the reference. Uh, I can tell you that in my one-on-one film classes that I conduct over Skype, we try not to use uh, the C word, the C-C-U-L-T word. Oh. The only C word that uh, we permit is Coleman, uh, ideally <laughs> followed by Francis. And uh, as as you'll find out in the book, Jim Patrick, do you mind? Uh, uh, once again, it's the Franciscan, the beast, beast of, of the, the Hollywood, Hollywood system. system. That's right. As you'll find out in the book, Jim, uh, Coleman Francis wants us to be who we really are. And only in these one-on-one coaching sessions, uh, which are available uh, at my website. I, I, and I will definitely get in contact. For a nominal <laughs> fee. And I yeah. can only imagine that the reason it's not working is because uh, there are three of us, and I apologize that my attention is divided. But, Jim, if you want to get in touch after the show, you and I can have a long uh, series of conversations where I reveal to you this, this inner truth that you were born with, but are for some reason denying. Hmm. I just want you to be as happy as I am, Jim. No, I'm I'm very happy. I really am. Have I'm just you... I'm just I'm kind of baffled by the fact that uh, you are not seeing the uh, ineptitude here, the horrible <sighs> filmmaking. I mean, there's a reason it's... why he's lumped in together with Ed Wood. It's it's pain. I mean, there's maybe there's passion here, but uh, and it's painful that you call my passion ineptitude. Uh, I don't think that's. Mm-mm. I don't. You. I don't need your approval, and I don't need you to agree with me. But I would like you to pretend. Patrick, I feel like I'm I, watching you being born, and it is beautiful. And I, I find uh, if there was a mirror in this room, I would feel the same way. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, look. Um, I guess. I mean. It's pretty clear we're not moving on. Not from this. No, I, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just. I'm. I'm too focused on his horrible narrative. Like at one point, he's like just vacation time, man and wife, unaware of scientific, scientific progress. progress. Yes. No, that's that's lazy. If, I mean, if your I audience, like minimal dialogue, but Christ. If your audience hasn't seen the film, and I. I feel like even saying that out loud is some kind of joke. But if for some reason you haven't already seen the film, uh, what Jim is alluding to is another aspect of the fact that it was recorded without a soundtrack. Almost everything is conveyed through the godlike narration yes. of Francis himself. And oh, that narration. That, that meaty voice just st- steering the action. Jim, touch a button. I, 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 Something happens. I, 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 I'm sorry. I just don't like it when filmmakers see themselves as a godlike figure enough to you know, I narrate don't, over. But the, in this case, he's spe- right. spelling things out for the audience. It's not. It's not smart filmmaking. It's not. Well, Mm-mm. it's. Don't worry, Manx. It's okay. It's okay. We'll agree to disagree. Minus the first degree. Yeah. We'll disagree to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. 
hey, I'm 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 just gonna stand my ground. I'm not I'm not gonna budge here. Sorry. I thought it was a horrible film. Ugh. I really did. I would like to retroactively disagree with Jim on all the times that I claimed to have agreed with Jim. I completely oh, man. understand. Back to zero. And given that I've got a, a year-long history with him, I'm beginning to feel the same way. Oh, come on. This is enough. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, Patrick, the book again is... It, the Franciscan, The Beast, Beast of, of the, the Hollywood, Hollywood System. System. Now, That's is that right. available for pre-order? Or? Uh, that is available uh, for pre-order. Uh, if you email me... Uh, it's uh, manx at uh, geocities.colemanfrancis.com forward slash 1167 uh, forward slash index.html. And you can, you can email me and uh, I can uh, pre-order the book. And I believe once I have uh, 250,000 uh, pre-orders, I'll be, I'll be able to do a limited so a couple weeks printing. wow yeah. a couple weeks i can't imagine it would be more than a couple more weeks i and and then and i'm and i am only uh, honored to be able to get this message out and you know just to to convert you know to, to prophesize to praise to convert to mm-hmm. preach to to love to mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. to nope. te- all of our listeners our hundreds of listeners um I'm please to, uh, i implore you look for the the, the, the portulent um, militia leader in yourself. <sighs> Touch a button. Uh, sorry. Something uh, happens. Touch a button. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'd sooner you know read the Tyler Perry book and watch every single one of his movies. I'm sure you would, Jim. Sorry. I'm, That's the first I'm not one feeling of Jim's it. I'm not feeling it. That's the first one of Jim's references that I've gotten. Oh, good. Very good. Once again, Manx. Uh, thank you, and uh, I guess we, we, we should, should plug our, our next episode as well, don't you think? We, well, I would like to thank our, our mutual friend, Daniel Kibblesmith. Oh, yeah. Um, who got us in what a great guy. touch with Manx. He's a real great guy. And yeah. a great student. Yes. Great student. I believe oh. that... Uh, He's he, one of your students. Hmm. Yeah, I... I have quite a few students. It's they're growing in number, and I believe that uh, he's uh, personally recruited uh, a few dozen more just uh, with his uh, street uh, chalk tagging mm-hmm. uh, hashtag Manx. I don't know what that means, but he says it's been very effective. Wow, I've seen it trending. I'm learning a lot today. Yeah, but, but you sure are. Yeah. But there's a lot more you aren't. True. Go ahead. We'll see Cut. if I can be converted with heat next I, episode. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not promising anything about the next episode. You. You go ahead and tell them what our next episode is going to be. It's going to be on uh, Michael Mann, a, a director that uh, another director I I, I I didn't quite get. I mean, I've only seen uh, a few of his films, but wow, Heat. I not not my thing. Not my thing at all. I thought it was over long. But we'll just save it for the next time. Ill- I hope there is a next episode, to be honest. I, I, you should, I, if you see the look on Patrick's face, it's nothing but disgust. And I, I'm not used to this because... I will say, I'm not looking forward to returning to... God, it feels crazy <laughs> to call it film. But to return to other um, motion pictures... That uh, I was doing air quotes there. That um, were they not directed it. by Coleman Francis, um, but it will be maybe interesting to see how empty they are. That is <laughs> the real tragedy of Coleman Francis's work: is that uh, there were only three of them, and that's that's the tragedy of Coleman Francis. Uh-huh. That and that he was killed by an arrow. Well, he did appear drunk in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and I think that explains his approach to filmmaking and acting, to be honest. Do you got anything else to plug, Jim? Because at this, at this point, it's hate speech. No. I do want to plug all the um, various episodes of Out of Control that you can watch on YouTube, though, because oh, it's a phenomenal show. It's definitely in the top five for me now. I'd say Dave Coulier is the funniest man alive, to be honest, and I just didn't realize it. Until recently, that was going to be what I was going to talk about for the what we watch segment. But apparently, Patrick was like, "No, we got to get right to Coleman Francis. We have to talk to Manx." I know, but you know, maybe he watched something this week. I you did. Know? Yeah, What'd I watched. Watch? I watched Skydivers again. Oh well, okay. There we go. So, I don't know if you want to visit us at Directors Club Podcast. 
You can, I guess, if it's still up. Directorsclubpodcast.com. Yeah. Just at least say that, right? What? Your heart's not Directors Club Podcast.com. You can email us at directorsclubpodcast. It's not dot me or dot org. Well, it's dot com. Okay. No, you can is. email us at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. At DC Podcast is our Twitter. Um, you know, I have a if you want to visit Twitter, Twitter thing. A relic at Instant Jim is and Patrick Jim's is at Patrick Rapole. Yeah. Uh, He's funny. I try. I try. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this approach and uh, thanks, Manx, for participating, I guess. You're welcome for changing your life. No. I'm sorry. Bye. Goodbye. Suffice to say, I'm converted. Um... Now, as well, you should be, and not to correct you, but you're not so much converted as awakened. That's the great thing about the biological memory that he's tapping into is that we all carry it around with us all the time. It's just that we have to be told that it's okay to be who we are. I don't need your approval. And I don't need you to agree with me, but I would like you to pretend. Patrick, I feel like I'm Uh, watching you being born and it is beautiful.